0: give you two same scriptures different places is that fun right that's exciting isn't it y'all we got to have some fun okay so you can choose between mark i suggest this one but anyway mark chapter 10 verses 13 through 16 or you can go to matthew 19 13 through 15 now i just want to throw out a quiz today do any of you have a chronological bible with you today So I'm just going to rely on, all right, that's all right, we're going to use that uh, today. But if you've got that, let's stand this morning for the read of God, of, reading of the Word of God. Sorry, my mouth is, uh, whatever, uh, a mess as usual. But Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16 is the one that I'm going to be reading out of. And you're going to say, wait a minute, this doesn't seem very Christmassy. Well, that's okay, you'll see how it relates to Christmas. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus So he could touch and bless them. Imagine having the opportunity as a parent to bring your children to Jesus. Alive and well and standing in there. And being able to bring and know that just the touch of Jesus and the power that comes through that. And many of you have experienced the same touch. Because we are living in the freedom of Jesus Christ having already done all that he did. And the Holy Spirit being free to move in And amongst us, and I think even this morning through the worship, we have experienced the touch of Jesus. But the disciples did what they did in the knowledge that they had, and that was they scolded the parents. They scolded the parents for bothering Jesus. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry. Key statement, because we're going to look at this throughout the word. He was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. God, today, we thank you for allowing your spirit to move in this place already this morning. God, we thank you for the worship, for the words. And God, we pray today that you would continue to speak to us. Let us see how important it was that you came and experienced life as a child. And today, let us see that you're calling us back to childlike faith. And so today, guide us, speak to us, come against the enemy in the name of Jesus. We pray that this morning, the words that come through me today would just be from your throne. God, I just pray that you would cast out the enemy, cast out the thoughts, center our hearts and our minds on the words that you have for us today. And God, maybe these words because they're not really harsh words. Maybe these words today would bring joy, comfort, and peace, hope. And so, Lord, we thank you, and we ask that you'd be here with us in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, so I just want to give you some facts that are like so simple and so basic. Are you ready for some basic facts? Isn't it nice just to chill sometimes in church and just get some basics? All right, so here's some basics, and you're going to see throughout today's message, I made up some words. Is that okay? Listen, I feel like it's all right, right? It just it keeps it so you all know I'm not that smart. Okay. Um, facts is, Jesus experienced. Now, you're going to disagree, some of you theologians, and some of you won't disagree, so I just want you to just allow your mind to think this, okay? There's something about knowing and knowing. Okay, I'll give you an example. So as a student growing up, right, I knew what a teacher was, right? Because I was under a teacher's. we all probably have been there. Have you all ever been a student? Good, because you're a student right now. Okay, good. You're a student of the Lord's. Anyway, as, as students, we look at teachers, and sometimes we probably, over our years of being a student, we probably think in our minds that we could do it what? better come on now right you're smart so at some point probably in your teenagehood you would have probably thought i I could teach this better i mean this teacher you know what i mean like we think that but then after going to college and stepping in to be a teacher and i taught students with disabilities developmental disabilities and behaviors i thought to myself what was i thinking These poor teachers, God bless them, and I will only do this as long as I have to until God calls me away. So five years later, I stop doing that because it wasn't for me. And God bless all of you that are teachers, right? Oftentimes, we as kids, we grow up, we have children, and we say, well, wait a minute. It isn't what I thought. I'll just be honest with you. It just isn't. And then I thought that I had a good grasp on it, and then one of my kids started going into teenagehood. And I have told her recently, I said, what happened? We were like excellent parents. you know, like, I thought I was on the top of the world. Now I'm like, look, I'm about as bad as they come. You know what I'm saying? Because like sometimes, you know, they teach us like equal opposite. You know, your, your kid responds in a, in a really strong way and you're the opposite. You know, you stay calm. Well, Lord help us. I don't know if that's always true. But anyway, in our house right now, because I find myself, you know, y'all get easily worked up. Come on now, right? Okay. Well, there's a difference between knowing and knowing. Now, here's where I'm going to go a little little off, okay? Read this this week, some things that John Wesley and others say. Jesus knew about children. He knew about teenagers. He knew about adults. He knew about the processes. He created them. But interestingly enough, had he ever lived them. Come on now. He knew it all, so we're not denying his knowledge, right? He knew it all. But something happened when he lived it. Because you have to think he was divine. He was a divine creator. Was and is and is to come. Knows everything. Knew exactly what childhood was. But stepping down and agreeing to go in as an infant, agreed to putting limitations, agreed to being a baby, An infant, and having to rely on and experience all the stages of childhood, my made-up word, teenagehood, and adulthood. Interestingly enough, most of the times he references back to behavior, he references back to us being like children, a very new concept in the New Testament that isn't really prevalent in the Old Testament. And so you can't tell me that his experience brought about some statements in his ministry. You can agree to disagree. The first thing is, Jesus came as a child so he could experience the joy of a child. Now, I I want to throw a couple of thoughts out there as you think about this, but oftentimes I I hear people say things like, well, you know, they're just ignorant, and not ignorant in the bad way, right? Not like you're ignorant, and I'm talking about like just pure out ignorance. You just don't know yet. You haven't experienced, because oftentimes children, they just have a joy, right, that they don't really know where it comes from, but it's just a joy of life. I mean, look at the baby. I mean, just they're having a good time. Now, once they get hungry, that's different. Um, but think about this. Children have a uniquely joyful spirit if given the right environment. If given the wrong environment, that joy is robbed early on. Most of us argue that it's because they're and that's what makes them joyful. But I believe this. They are joyful because of what they focus on. And so maybe the reason we're not joyful is because of what we focus on. And so Jesus came and experienced the unadulterated joy of childhood. You wonder why we don't get to hear and see a lot about his childhood and we kind of skip many years because he was being allowed to be a child, Something that our society is robbing from our children. They're attempting to take away the years of joy, the years of innocence. I'm always fascinated. We're not a big electronic family. We just aren't. And as long as I'm the head of the household, we just won't be. Because I believe electronics. It's just my opinion. You can think I'm old. and That's okay. I feel like it robs a lot. Video games rob a lot. Online robs a lot. What do my kids do? They create stuff. In fact, I was doing something outside yesterday, and just praying about today, and I watched them because they said, Dad, we don't want to be out here anymore, and I said, you're not going to bother your mother. She's wrapping your gifts, so you're going to stay out here, and Charlotte said, okay, Dad, let's create something, and they created this whole game, and they had three areas going on, and they just had paper and junk that was outside, and they made something of it. They made something of it, and they were thrilled at what they made. And when they were done, they said, Dad, look, we made a house here and a house here. And I didn't know what they were. They had Skittles and stuff, but they were little pieces of paper. And they're like, look at our Skittles that we're feeding our kids. I'm like, what Skittles? They said, there they are. I'm like, well, that's great. They were thrilled. When and where do we lose that? Because Jesus said, don't lose it. Jesus experienced. They're not distracted by the cares of the world. You know what happens? You know what's happening to a lot of our children? Is earlier and earlier, they're having to what? Be concerned about the cares of the world. I sat with someone this week and they said, my mom said, now you're the man of the house. At like 11. Which are they prepared for that at 11? Is my 12-year-old prepared to be the woman of the house? No. See, what happens is the cares of the world creep in and the joys of Jesus creep out. Keep in mind that Jesus chose to reflect on childlike behavior in relation to a lot of things. One of those just being joy. Okay. So I'm going to just give you an issue with what's happening here, and really today I made it into points, but it doesn't really fit into points, so just go with me, okay? I did it for those of you that say I really do well with the points, all right? So they're there, they don't make any sense though. Okay, I want to just take a step out and a step back into the points. The step out is when you study this scripture further, no matter where you see it, the disciples were aggravated with Jesus, because think about it. In that day, the children are coming to Jesus. You know what, what happened when that happened? The important people didn't have time to be at Jesus. Because, see, they were struggling with the mindset of what? Well, this is bigger than just, and this isn't, and you should, it's not about being a servant. It's not about humble. It's about let's take them by force. Let's. And so by the children coming in, you're letting the lowest of society step in to a place where they were really trying to push the highest of society to make the most influence. Now tell me that disease isn't still rampant in the life of church, and the life of Christians, just in general. And remember, Jesus, kind of the lowest of the low are the most important of the important. And so for the disciples, it was kind of different. Second thing I wanted to just touch on was and you say well this makes no sense well think about it okay and take a moment to really ponder the severity of this powerful divine being stepping down and saying I won't be powerful or divine I'll come in and I'll be lowly in a manger in a in a where all these things just so low going from like thee to It's a trust. Now you say, oh, I mean, Mary and Joseph, there wasn't a lot. Come on now. God was saying, I'm going to entrust you with my son. So I really believe that Mary and Joseph weren't dysfunctional. They weren't. I'm sure they had their problems. But I'm pretty sure it was a stable, good environment where God could trust Mary and Joseph. And based off of the Magnificent, or however you want to say it, she was aware of that. She knew that. She saw that God took his time to find and was humbled by that. And so, and I think this should be true in our homes. And, you know, I I feel like it is important as a pastor to challenge our families. Like, we have to step up. Read an article a couple weeks ago. And just studies that Christian parents are raising children that go out into the world. And I don't know why. And I'm trying my best to combat that. And to speak that and not to live that in my own home. No guarantees, but we're going to do all we can to make that not the truth for our children. But something here that's so important is that God entrusted Mary and Joseph. And Jesus says oftentimes we should be like a child, which really you have to trust. If you're in a good, stable environment, your children should know what? Now, this is different. They may not always be happy with you, right? If you're a teacher, you know that well. Children aren't always happy with you, right? But they should be able to trust you. Even in their unhappiness, they should know that. And that's something I believe in our home, right? They may not always be happy, but they can what? Trust us. They can trust us they can test the limits and know that we're there know that we're with them know that we're for them know that we love them Jesus knew and here's what's significant Jesus knew that by going through this process of being implanted into Mary that he would have limitations He say, well, that's just so simple. Come on now, y'all. He went from no limitations to limitations and trusting Mary and Joseph in his limitations, meaning he had to receive from Mary, both physically, emotionally, spiritually. He didn't just like, it never says in scripture that he popped out and said, listen, I'm the son of God and I'm here to Did we ever read that? And he just began to recite scripture and said, Mary, I don't really need you. I just need you to just keep an eye on me. No. In fact, Mary and Joseph were entrusted to keep them safe. We're learning in Sunday school about the parallels and how they had to move from here and there to stay safe and how that actually is spoken of in the Old Testament and how it's verified in the New Testament. Mary and Joseph were entrusted and were trustworthy In a very open way. And so Jesus, for the first time in history, understood limitations. And you know what? Sometimes in church, in our own spiritual walk, you know what we know the best? Our limitations. And yet the Lord is telling us, don't have limitations. See, children, if given the space, can trust. That they can experience, they can grow, they can have fun, they can in an environment that's safe. God trusted Mary and Joseph. And so Jesus understands our need to be able to trust him. And let's be honest, on a Sunday morning, a day that we worship and honor the Lord, at times we have a hard time trusting him. Wouldn't you agree there's moments in your walk And Jesus is saying, I want you to be like children who have joy, who know no limitations, who think everything's possible, who think that paper could be Skittles because their imagination is so bright, who trust us to provide for them. And so Jesus understands the need for us to trust him. And so in those places where We're not trusting him. Those are the places he most needs to be. The third thing, all right. So you may disagree because some say five, some say three, I say three. Is that okay? Some say five, I say three. You'll know what I mean in a second here. There, some would say, you have to look at the translation, that Jesus got angry five times. Some would say three. Look it up when you go home, you'll see the differences. I say three because two of the translations, okay, it is like he became indignant but not angry. He was furious at his situation, but it never expressed itself in like anger and was never spoken in any translation as angry, okay? But there's three times where the translation says angry as in like angry. Y'all ever get angry? Come on now, y'all. Some of you angry with me right now, but anyway, that's all right, including my wife, but okay. You ever like do a project and, sh- and your wife says it should take you an hour and it takes you three and then she comes out and says, well, what happened? And I'm like, what happened? I ain't an expert. You know what I'm saying? That's what happened. You, you marry somebody who don't know what he's doing but he's trying with YouTube by his side and, you know, then your phone dies while YouTube's playing and you're in the middle of it and I'm just barely holding on to my sanctification. And anyway, so... That's why they call so much to put lights in. By the way, these lights are starting to go. Um, anyway, that's just, Abby told me to start slipping that in there. But anyway, um, okay, I slipped it in. Did you all hear it, right? They don't sell the parts anymore. We tried to order them. They didn't sell them. So when we replace it, don't shoot the messenger, okay? All right, anger. Three times. So I'm going to go with three. You can go with five. It doesn't matter. But five or three in 30-some years is not very often, Right? Because you might have been angry probably five times in the last seven days, okay? So let's give it to Jesus, okay? He was angry just like, even if you want to go with five, that, that's like five. I mean, think about the percent. That's a, that's a small percent. Let, let's talk about three times. In his humanhood. Y'all like my new words, humanhood? Y'all like it? I know a lot of you are experts, so you know, but listen, we're going to go with some fun words. When Jesus healed in the temple to save or to kill, it says he got angry. You know why? Because they were saying, why are you doing this on the Sabbath? And he said, well, do you want me to, I mean, you want me to save them? They're either going to die. Interestingly enough, if you read this passage, you'll see that Jesus knew further than them. They just saw somebody that was sick. Jesus knew this person was actually close to death. So he uses language like, to save or kill, what do you want me to do? Well, come on now, don't you all want him to save? And that's what he said, and that's the one time. Translated well, he was angry. Another time, let the little children come to me. Whew, come on, y'all. Mm. He got angry with his very own disciples, expressed and translated. You say Matthew doesn't say that, Mark does translate Matthew well, and he was. So there's something about this let the little children come to me. You know why? Because Jesus was setting up something. Jesus was saying, the minute you stop having joy like a, innocence like a, trust like a, imagination like a, you will get. What's a good word? I won't go there. You just imagine it, okay? There's a whole list of them. Just look for it. Sad, grumpy, Set in your ways. Lack of hope, peace, trust, imagination. Third time. And we all know this one well because this is the one we focus on. We forget about the other two because we like the cleansing of the temple. Man, get that baby clear. Now, you know, temple there actually meant he was looking at the people. We like it because So Jesus understood anger because he willingly went as an infant. And he watched I'm sure over his years growing up people get angry. Probably some rightfully so some probably not. Because you know what? Some of our anger is righteous. Some of it probably isn't. Some of our responses to anger is probably good. Some of it probably isn't. And so I'm pretty sure when Jesus expressed his anger three or four times over 30-some years, it was legitimate. And he did it because he wanted to say, look, if my people don't stay like these little children... You fill it in. I'm going to take one stab at chronologically. Is that okay to close this out? To drive it down? So chronologically looking at this, um, which helps sometimes to understand what Jesus is speaking about, the timing and where it all unfolds. So let's just take a step real quick. And look at what's happening before and then what's happening after. So right before this, if you remember um, the parable of two men praying. And if you think about it, I love this because you've got one man who's proud. A proud believer. Praying for what? We we know the scripture well. Praying that everyone would, would know what he's doing. And then you have the tax collector who actually turns to the side and begins to weep and mourn and tear his clothes because he's thinking about who he is in relation to Christ right before the children's incident I'm gonna call it interesting proud be like a a child who isn't proud now we're not talking about teenagehood you know what he didn't do he did not ever say. Do you, did, I mean, maybe your Bible says something different. Be like a teenager, because I think we all know that's like a bad idea. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that's. He was a teenager, and he said, "Look, well, I'm not. I never. I mean, did he ever say that? Come on, now. He didn't say like be like a teenager. Just up and down. Every day's different. Every day's whatever you feel it's going to be. I mean, it's it's out of control. Anyway, thankfully it ends. Okay, and you become friends with your kids again. But anyway, prior to these words, we see that. And then afterwards, right after, interestingly enough, who does he speak to? We don't like this one. He speaks to the rich young ruler. I mean, all together here. You say, well, that, I mean, that just kind of happened that way. Okay. Parables he actually decided to say. And, and uh, what did he say to the rich young ruler? What he's still saying today. And you say, well, what does this have to do with Christmas? Well, I mean, Christmas is a generous time. God generously decided to stop the process of Passover and bring the Passover. He generously said, I will give unto you my child. And that young rich ruler couldn't see it because he was so wrapped up in the here and the now, which I believe is still a great disease in the church. You know what children aren't? Now, I brag on my kids, and they may turn out awful, so I'm just putting that preface in there, okay? I hope they don't, but I'm not saying, because look, I, we went into teenagehood, and I know what was happening, and so they may go into adulthood, and I won't know, but I promise you I'll be doing what? Praying, loving, embracing, I'm going to be like that dad in the pen just waiting. And I don't care what anybody says. I'll be there with my arms wide open. But there's something here that I see in my kids, and I'm sure it'll leave. But there's a little bag in my back seat. I just This is terrible. Is Janine here? Okay, don't tell my children this, but they they are always making little gifts and they tape them together and they wrap it and it's for so and so and so and so and so and so. Some of you received some of those, and like they take their finest things that they have and they put it in there, and then they give it to me. Well, then I don't give it to you because like in there is like the baby doll we gave them three years ago and like I mean stuff that like I just feel bad, so I'm gonna like slowly gift it back to them and I cut the tape that's been like terribly taped in the wrapping. Right, I have a bag in my back seat right now of like 20 gifts I haven't given to all of you. And, um, and I took all the toys out of it. I'm going to return them because like, they mean something to me, even though like, you know, that's probably not good if they're willing to give it. Um, but then they say to me like, later on, like, I don't know where my poly pocket is. I'm like, oh, I have it in my pocket. I actually took it out of a present you gave to so-and-so, but here you go because you forgot. But there's something about them that they just want to give. And they want to give and they want to give and every time we turn around they're upstairs making these little like things and stuff. And I hope that they see that the reason that we have a giving heart is because God has graciously given to us. And you know what? That's not what I've seen my whole life. But my whole life I've always seen and recognized that I have a gracious God. That has always been there giving to me even when I was not given. Now, when I was young, we were really poor. We were looking at pictures the other day, or a year ago. The other day feels like a year ago, doesn't it? You know, Christmas was like yesterday and it's here next Sunday. You know, we get to, we get the privilege next Sunday to worship Christ in his, in his sanctuary. Mm, Jesus. Or we we're looking at these pictures and, you know, when I was a kid, if you had holes, it wasn't cool. Now, don't judge me, okay? I, I shouldn't have even said this. But we were looking at stuff in like our pajamas and our clothes and everything had holes. And the reason that was is that that's all we had. Like we had a pair of pajamas. And at Christmas, we got clothes. Why? Because at that time, that's what they could afford. Thankfully, it got better. But back then, holes weren't cute. So my mom, who sewed, would sew patches. You know what kids, when you're a preteen, can see at that time? Patches. You know what they made fun of? Patches. But all along, there was something in me that said, no matter what I have, God is gracious. He is good. I still remember moments especially after the new year when I would go back and wouldn't have the new things and others would where God would just give me peace in my heart as I was being made fun of. Our God is a gracious God who gives, who understands, who walked childhood with not a lot and continued his life and ministry with just what he needed. To show us that we need a lot less than we think we need. But most of all, what we need is a heart that's willing to be childlike. And the greatest loss in the church, and I don't mean AFC, but in the church, is childlike faith. What happened to it? Jesus was a child, which means Jesus gets it. That's why his words are so impactful. And so what does it mean for you today? You know, we don't, I read an article this morning, oddly enough, talking about the impact of Christmas. You know, we don't make it a holy week or anything like that, but imagine the preparation, the planning. The time, the puzzle pieces, if you read and understand how it was all just shifting and moving and keeping him, because boy, think about the heyday the enemy wanted to have when he got here. Great, he's in the physical, let's, let's kill every male just to make sure. And so he did that, he came, this is really a holy week Of preparation, of understanding, of shifting mindsets, and reminding ourselves that just as He came as a low, humble, sweet child, so we should say. God, today, thank you for your graciousness, thank you for your love. Thank you for your kindness. And God, today we just let our hearts and minds go to these scriptures. Interesting scriptures, because when you spoke these words to the disciples, you knew, knew what it was like to be a child. So today, let us be childlike, and many of us are like, well, we've seen kids and the way they act and run around, and that's not what we're talking about. Let us be childlike in our minds, in our imaginations, in our graciousness, in our giving, in our faith, in our hopes. our grace and mercy because boy our little kids so gracious they just forget it <laughs> maybe it's time we just forget it so challenge us this week really is a holy week and some would say well it's not the exact time but this is a time that we honor we set aside and we celebrate and so let us this week set aside celebrate honor and live in thanksgiving of the Christ child and remain humble, teachable, and gracious. We honor you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great morning. We'll see you in class. <sighs>